All right, thank you for uh, doing that. And I know that for, for some of you introverts, that was really hard. Thanks for uh, suffering through that with us. The extroverts are still talking, and they don't realize that I've asked them to stop, but that's okay, too. And I know for you baseball fans, I should have said, how about those fills? Uh, sorry, it doesn't mean anything to me. Uh, I just, I, I try so hard to make believe I like baseball, but I've just decided I'm not even going to try anymore. Uh, I just confess that you, some of you may see that as a shortcoming, uh, and others may just have you might like me a little more, but that's okay. Uh, but I am loving basketball season. I am uh, a huge basketball, college basketball fan. Uh, I went to college in the state of Kentucky, so I am ecstatic right now. At 2.20 this afternoon, the Kentucky Wildcats play Auburn. They've beaten them twice this season. That just hurts. Uh, but anyway, uh, so before we had a building, uh, before we are in this space, before we had a launch date for this campus, uh, before we knew a lot of things, I was doing some wanderings around Mount Laurel. I was driving through the area. I was uh, noticing things in the community and, and all sorts of different things like that. I would spend at least once a week, sometimes twice a week, uh, having my office hours in Mount Laurel. So I spent a lot of time at the Panera. I spent some time at the Wegmans. Uh, I would just wander around and find different places like that. I gained some weight in the process. Uh, but, uh, but in addition to that, one of the things I discovered is there's no real center of town in Mount Laurel, but if there were something that would be the town center, it's this area right here with the police station and the, and the post office and the community center. So uh, I, I decided to stop in and just wander into the township building. So I did that and noticed some things around there and then went up to the, the desk at the township office and asked if I could schedule a meeting with the township manager. And it turned out that I was able to do that. And a couple weeks later, I met with the township manager and, uh, and the director of operations there. And uh, when I met with them, uh, I introduced myself and I said, hey, we're, we're Hope Church. Uh, we have a campus in Voorhees and I've been there for, for uh, 13, at that time it was 12 years. And uh, uh, we're, we're looking forward to launching a new campus in Mount Laurel. We're not here yet, but we're coming. And uh, in the meantime, we wanted to know if there were some things that we could do to help in the township. And uh, they misunderstood my question in the way I introduced it. It probably wasn't as well done as I just did now. Uh, they misunderstood it because they, a couple things. Uh, first, they assumed because we are a church, we wanted to set out a donation box. And so they said, could you, uh, you can put a box in our lobby if that would be helpful. And I said, no, no, I'm sorry. I said, I, I, uh, you're misunderstanding what I'm asking. I said, let me explain. How can we hope help you Mount Laurel? And it was one of those few times in my life where in this meeting with the three of us, where I actually watched someone's jaw kind of drop open. And they kind of looked at me and for a few seconds, you know, didn't know what to say. And then one of them replied, a church has never asked us that before. And I said, well, what can we do to help in Mount Laurel? And they said, is you know, there's dozens of churches here. No one's ever asked us that. You're going to have to give us a few minutes. <laughs> and I went, I'll give you lots of time. That's great. I said, I'll be back, right? So 
I tell you that story because that's part of our uh, brief little history here, but I tell you that because the use of this space is a direct result of that initial conversation and your sweat equity because of the things that we've done over the last couple of years. You know, we started out in the middle school and uh, uh, we were paying uh, rent at the middle school. And when we came here, the township, when we asked about this space and the township told us that it was available to us, I said, well, how much is it? We probably can't afford that. And they said, no, you're, you're part of our community and we want you to be able to use this space. Uh, that's a result of the hard work that you folks and other folks who weren't here this morning uh, did. Uh, we did things like uh, we've done fall festivals and we our band has played in those fall festivals and we've parked cars. Uh, National Night Out in August, and we're going to ask you to do it again, was probably the hottest night in August ever. And Tom was out there and I was out there and some others of you were out there and we were just sweating and the dust when the car drove, I just like stuck to you afterward, right? But when I asked, what do, they, what do you need help doing? And they said, we can't find anybody to do parking. And I'm like, yeah, I know why. Uh, <laughs> uh, and I'm like, that's the kind of job we want to do, right? We passed out water at Taste of Mount Laurel. If you haven't been to Taste of Mount Laurel, uh, you need to be there and you need to be there for passing out water because it's like, it's like I, I, I one time, like I said, I went to school in Kentucky, and there were a lot of farms around there. And when, when, um, when the farmer shows up with the grain truck and the cows come running across the field, right, they're just lumbering because they, they recognize. Or when I come home at 4.30 and my dog knows it's time to eat, that's what Taste of Mount Laurel is like, all right? It's like this feeding frenzy of, of all these restaurants show up with really good food and people are lined up out front. I'm like, one woman actually passed out in line. I'm not kidding you, right? She was an older woman. She passed out in line. And so we got help, got her help. And as soon as she was better, she got back in line. I'm like, Are you, this is serious, all right? It's, 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 it's really kind of cool. It's a cool thing, right? All right, so, so we do that, right? So whenever the township has asked us, we have found a way to help. And whenever we hear of an opportunity, uh, we ask, how can we help? So uh, if you remember, uh, in the beginning of winter, we did a Mount Laurel Police Department uh, flash coat drive. Uh, the reason it was a flash drive <laughs> is because we didn't have uh, a lot of notice. We didn't hear about it. And so as soon as we had an opportunity, we did that. And then it was kind of a cool thing as we found out. Remember, we had a pile of coats over there, and we all gathered up all the coats as much as we could, as, as many as you could carry, and we walked across the parking lot. And the weird thing is, is when we got across the parking lot, the policeman was already there opening the door for us, and that was kind of freaky. Well, afterward, I found out that he went, oh, yeah, we saw you guys coming uh, because there's cameras in here. And that was really weird, right? <laughs> so the police are joining us. If there's microphones, they're listening to us as well. And that's a cool thing. But we've been asking the question, how can hope be seen as an asset and a blessing to our community? Now, the reason that I share all that with you is not just to remind you of our brief history here. But uh, a few years ago, I read a book. And when I had the conversation with the Mount Laurel Township folks, and I asked them that question, and they didn't have an answer for it me right away. It reminded me and it sent us on this trajectory that I believe has been, um, uh, it's, it's a decisive path that we've taken. Is, uh, so this book was called Gorilla Lovers. 
and uh, it's not about love of gorillas. Uh, it's really what I've decided to call is gorilla marketing because gorilla lover sounds a little weird. Uh, but it's about gorilla marketing. And it is how a church in Las Vegas decided to serve and be an asset to its community. And I read that book 10 years ago and thought, that's a really neat idea. That's a great thing that they're doing in Las Vegas. And uh, had no idea that that would become uh, our uh, calling card, I would say, for how we're going to do marketing, that we're guerrilla marketers. And the reason he calls it that is that he talks about guerrilla warfare and that in guerrilla warfare, typically it's a smaller force with less resources. Uh, they have to uh, do the best possible job they can and strike when it's convenient and strike when it works for them and that they can have maximum impact. And he said, what if the church were to use those same kinds of tactics? So he says, what if the church as we decide to love like guerrilla warfare, that we were to be as patient and relational and servant-hearted as possible, that that becomes our tactic, that we choose to love people, to creatively, consistently, and persistently love people. And then he says, to audaciously love people until they finally ask, why are you doing this? So, that book that I read 10 years ago became this light bulb that went off in my mind, uh, in my brain, when I was thinking, uh, sitting in that meeting over in the township building, going, how can we help? And when they said, a church has never asked us that before, I thought, that's what we're going to do. We're going to always ask, how can we help? What can we do? So we're in the midst of this series uh, called Church on Monday, and every week I've been challenging you to read through Ephesians. We're reading through the book of Ephesians, so it's six chapters. You can read a chapter one on Monday and read a chapter each day through Saturday, and you'll have read the whole book of Ephesians. I want to encourage you, if you haven't done it, try and do it this week, because next week is our last uh, last week uh, in, the, in, uh, in this series, and so we'll be talking about Ephesians chapter 6 next week. Uh, but if you've been doing that, let me challenge you to do it again. Uh, I've been doing it each week because I'm preaching this series. That's one of the reasons, but also because I'm challenging you guys to do that. Uh, but I want you to notice some things I've mentioned is notice the plural language that's used in, in Ephesians, that whenever the word you is used, it's always you plural. It's never you singular. So whenever you see you or we, this week, let me challenge you, when you see the word you or you see the word we, substitute, try and substitute the word church, all right? It works most times. Try and do that, all right? And because uh, we need to remember this letter is not just about you and me as individuals. It's about us, you and I, you and me, the church together, okay? So some background, uh, before we re read some uh, verses from chapter 5, I want to give you some background from Ephesians. And while we haven't done that throughout the series, uh, this chapter, I think, really uh, needs some background on Ephesus and first century culture, okay? So the port city of Ephesus was the crown jewel of Asia Minor. It, uh, it had a population in the first century of nearly a quarter million people. It was a large, large city city, and it was home to about 20 different pagan temples. Now, the first century residents of Ephesus uh, enjoyed a lot of luxuries, okay? Let me share some of those with you. Just so you know, this kind of, I would say that Ephesus was a good place to live. It had running water in the first century. It had indoor toilets. It had fountains and gardens. It had streets paved with marble, it had a gymnasium, which also had its own bathhouse. So it was 
a gymnasium with a locker room. I mean, they had a Planet Fitness in Ephesus. Probably a few spin classes. They had a library. They had, this is the first century, folks, they had a two-story teaching hospital. They had a theater that could seat an estimated 25,000 people, all in the first century in Ephesus. There was artistic beauty, cultural learning, 20 different temples, incredible world trade. And like any large city, there was some criminal activity and some sorcery flourished amidst the great wealth. But it sounds every bit like a modern-day city of today. It was a good place to live, economically and socially. Life in Ephesus was pretty good. People living in Ephesus would relate easily to our 21st century living standards here in suburbia. So it was a good place to live. Now, at the heart of the city's life and at the heart of the economy, the reason Ephesus flourished so well was not just that it was in a region where it had a port and where a lot of trade came through. It was believed it was all because of Artemis. Now, Artemis was this ancient fertility goddess. And some believe that Artemis actually was a meteor that may have come down and landed in that area. And there was actually a rock that they used as part of this Artemis worship. But Artemis was considered the ancient fertility goddess. So if you had a really good crop, it was because of Artemis. If you had lots of children, it was because of Artemis. If your business was doing really well, it was because of Artemis, because Artemis caused all things to flourish. Now, Artemis was so important, and in Ephesus, and up on the screen you can see it, there was a temple there that was dedicated to Artemis only. I said there was 20 different pagan temples. This one was by far the largest. It was 450 feet long, 200 feet wide. It had more than 120 columns. Those columns were 60 feet high, and it was considered one of the seven wonders of the entire world. She was the most worshipped deity in Asia and perhaps the world during Paul's time. There were hundreds all employed in this temple, hundreds of eunuch priests and virgin priestesses and religious prostitutes, and they all served her at the temple. She was the fertility goddess. So you can imagine what worship rituals were like for the fertility goddess in this place. She was also, or Ephesus was considered the world headquarters for Artemis. So there were Artemis temples all over the world. Artemis was worshipped all over the world, but Ephesus was her, uh, her home field. All right, this is, this, is her, this is her main temple area, the world headquarters. She was responsible, and oh, Ephesus was responsible for maintaining the purity of Artemis worship. So out. All right, because this was her world headquarters. And people from all over the world would worship Artemis. And when they came to worship Artemis, they would deposit money in Ephesus and in the temple at, uh, there with Artemis. And so because of that, Ephesus also ended up with the largest world bank in the entire world. So the Ephesians became extremely wealthy and they were very protective of this goddess named Artemis, who made them successful and powerful and rich. 
And you can read about Paul's journey if you want to read Acts chapter 19. You can see some of the tension that's taking place in the city of Ephesus. So Paul traveled to Ephesus on his third journey. And while he was there, he stayed about two years. And before this is, this is years before he wrote his letter to the church that we're reading now. But in Acts chapter 19, you can see that there's this kind of a great spiritual awakening takes place in Ephesus. And, the, and their faith begins to uh, uh, interfere with the Ephesian culture. See, because in the culture, there was also this, uh, there was a union of silversmiths. And these silversmiths were making Artemis statues. And people would buy the Artemis statues. And they would take these Artemis statues and use them for worship in their homes and use them in different places. And there was lots of Artemis sold at the temple and in the craft markets. But all of a sudden the way people who were followers of Jesus started to have an impact on the city. And the silversmiths realized that their economy was dropping. People weren't buying as many Artemis statues. And whether they blamed the Christians or whether there was a part of Christianity that was causing this to change or a little bit of both, in Acts chapter 19, you can see that a riot breaks out. And they want to they want to stop the way from having from the, the Christians from doing what they're doing is all in Acts chapter 19. So I wanted you to hear that because Ephesus is a good place to live economically and socially. But if you're a Christ follower, there's this great tension that's created living in this really nice place with a gym and a library and a hospital and running water. So these Christ followers who are living this way would have to live contrary to the way that those who worship Artemis are living. And since the temple of Artemis was providing wealth and power and protection, anything that opposes that could create some disapproval or at the very least could be frowned upon by the culture. So there's this tension in the city of Ephesus. See, if you're not worshiping Artemis, that meant that you weren't buying silver idols. That meant that you weren't, you weren't frequenting the temple. That meant that you weren't giving financially. And that meant you may be telling others about this other God named Jesus. And so it took a passionate commitment and courage for these early Christ followers to practice their new beliefs in their new culture and in the face of some serious persecution. So I tell you all that background now, you're going, phew, finally, and I still have 12 minutes. And now we're going to read Ephesians chapter 5, or just a few verses. It's up on the screen. It says this, verse 15, so be careful how you live. Paul says, Church in Ephesus, be careful how you live. Don't live like fools who, like those who are wise, make the most of every opportunity in these evil days. Don't act thoughtlessly, but understand what the Lord wants you to do. Don't be drunk with wine because that will ruin your life. Instead, be filled with the Holy Spirit, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs among yourselves. And making music to the Lord in your hearts. And give thanks for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. 
So Paul says, be careful how you live. Be careful how you live. And I want to just stay there for just a minute. Be careful how you live. Paul provides the Ephesian church with some examples of careful living. He says, don't live like fools, but wise. Don't act thoughtlessly, but with understanding. Don't be drunk, but be filled with the Holy Spirit. He, he gives these comparisons here. He gives, you can be wise or you can be, or you can be unwise. You can be wise, you can be thoughtless, or you can have understanding. You can be drunk or you can be filled with the Holy Spirit. It's wisdom and understanding in the Holy Spirit. And I think one of the things I want to, uh, just kind of a side note here, is that when a person is drunk, everyone can tell, right? Something from the inside has taken control of their outside and is influencing decisions. So it's this unseen from within influencing what is seen, right? Their actions. Paul says instead, when a person is filled with God's Spirit and so completely under control of the Holy Spirit, it shows clearly that God is controlling their life. And so it is this unseen from within that's influencing what is seen. So what's inside influences our actions. In Acts chapter 2, they're accused of being drunk because the Holy Spirit has come upon them. So be careful how you live. Paul's point, living in Ephesus is going to require a different way of living. So be careful how you live. First century Christ followers did not have a previous generation to look after. For some of us, that's the way we are. Do you know what I mean? Like, like, like uh, I grew up going to church. I went to church as, as, as far back as I can remember. My grandmother took us to church. She made us go. I went to a Salvation Army church. Uh, if you know anything about that, it meant that we weren't allowed to play cards. We weren't allowed to go to the movies. Uh, my grandmother, I still want to go to the movies on a Sunday. My grandmother, I feel she's like in heaven going, oh, don't look. Like, because it's just freaking her out that I'm going to the church on a Sunday. You know what I mean? Like, just things like that are just like, unheard of for me when I was growing up, right? That, that's, I, grew, I, I have some heritage that I bring with me, right? And some baggage that I bring with me when it comes to church, right? For some of you, you have a similar stories, right? But there are many who, just like these first century Christians living in Ephesus, they're first generation Christians. And so Paul is, when he's giving these instructions, they're receiving them and they're going, we really need this because we don't know how to live this new life. We don't know how to live this way of Jesus. We need to know how we're supposed to do this. And so I think our 21st century lifestyle is not much different than that because we live in this post-Christian culture right now. And there are some of you in this room who you are first century, are first generation Christians. I read this, this is one of the most, disheartening uh, statistics that I read just recently, uh, that there is not a county in the United States, in the whole United States, there is not a single county where people are going to church, more people are going to church than in the previous year. Not a single county in the United States. The current population is growing faster than church attendance is growing. So that means that we're not keeping up with population growth, which means that every year, statistically, there are less people going to church in every county in the United States, every single county. 
fewer people are attending than the year before. So even churches that are growing, there is not a church that's growing that is keeping up with the population uh, growth in their county to keep that county ahead. So every single county in the United States, we live in a post-Christian world. So fewer and fewer people are going to church. So if fewer and fewer people are going to church, how are we going to attract them to this faith community? I believe it's very much like the first century, and I believe it's very much connected to our study and about Ephesus, is that how are we supposed to do this? I believe the challenge is different, and the challenge is that we need to live differently. So we don't need more Bible studies and we don't need more activities for church people. What we need is more activity outside the building on Monday so that pe because people are watching us, not watching us live perfect lives, but watching us live different lives. So we need to be careful how we live, Paul says. And he also shared, make the most of every opportunity. Now, I wasn't going to talk about making the most of every opportunity, except I found out that it's a really cool Greek word. And so when it's a really cool Greek word and you're a pastor, you kind of want to use that because you feel like you're paying for education in some way, right? So the Greek word used here could be translated, redeem the time or buying the time, all right? So when Paul says, be careful how you live and make the most of every opportunity, He's saying, hey, your time is really important. Now, that's not that big of a deal. But the other thing about when you're reading the Bible is not just what the Bible says, but what is it not saying? So here it's not just what is Paul saying, but what is Paul not saying? So Paul doesn't say, be careful how you live and hide away safely in your homes and inside your churches and avoid evil Ephesus. Move away from Ephesus because Ephesus is scary. Ephesus can lead you astray. That's not what Paul says. He says, be careful how you live and make the most of every opportunity because your time is so very important. You need to redeem the time and use every opportunity available to you. Be careful how you live and make the most of every opportunity. Now, one of the things I like to do is try to figure out what's a way that you can remember this, what's a way that I can challenge you so that when you're at lunch today and you are sitting around with your family, you can say, you know, when Pastor Rick was talking, I loved when he said this. And here it is, you ready? I would summarize it this way. Live your life with intention. Live your life with intention. Now, let me unpack that just for a minute. What if we were to live with an aim, live with a plan, and not just let life happen? See, without a plan, we're wasting our time. We are not making the most of every opportunity. But when we're living with intention, I believe that we can make a world of difference. And I believe we can make a different world. See, Paul knew what the Ephesian Christians were experiencing in Ephesus, and he knew the struggle of living as a Christ follower in the world of Artemis worship. Paul was there. He saw the riot. He knew what was going on in that time. He knew what was going on, the tensions in the city, and knowing that they live in this really nice place and it's going really well, and they love their, they love their community. They love the resources available. But yet, how can we live this different life? How do we make the most of every opportunity? Paul challenges them, live differently. So how do we, how do you intend to live? 
I would suggest that we can live a life with intention, that you and I can be a church on Monday. That we can be servant-hearted guerrilla lovers. That we can patiently love people. You know, I realized as I was writing that, you know what patiently love people means? That means I have to love really difficult people. Because people who are easy to love, it doesn't require me to be patient with them. So how do I patiently love people? If I'm going to live my life with intention, I'm going to creatively love people. I'm going to consistently love people. I'm going to persistently love people. And I'm going to audaciously love people until they finally ask, why are you doing this? It is the best and only way for the church to rebrand itself. Because the church has become irrelevant in our world. We need to live life with intention. We need to express the fullness of Jesus where we live and work and study and play. And that each of us here, while we gather together on Sunday morning, when we disperse, go to our unique worlds where we see people that the rest of us may not see. I will probably not connect with your friends Monday through Friday. Because I have a different world than you live in. And you have a different world that I live in. But when we live intentionally, when we have an intention to use every opportunity, people will see the world differently because of the way we're living in it. So I, I read this I, uh, article blog, I don't remember what it was, but it was talking about uh, movies and talking about how uh, Los, the folks in Los Angeles who promote films, how they measure the success of their marketing plans. And so, you know, when a movie comes out and, and there's always a big push through trailers at movie theaters and, and on, on, uh, on social media and all those different ways that they market the success or, or they, so that a movie will succeed. And they do a lot of different things, right? You've seen it, you know, right? You see that. And sometimes you go, oh, I can't wait to see that. And other times you say, yeah, there's no way that's for me. I don't see horror movies ever. Never, ever do I see a scary movie. It's not my thing, right? But, uh, but... So here's what I found was so interesting. There's something called the second weekend numbers. You may have heard about this. Second weekend numbers is that marketers, when they're checking the success of a movie, they check the first weekend numbers, but the second weekend numbers, that's how they can tell if they've got a successful movie that's going to sell a lot of tickets. Because the first weekend numbers has to do with the marketing company and how well they marketed the film because people who saw it went, I'm going to see that movie because of the marketing plan. But the second weekend numbers are connected to what everyone talked about on Monday. So they went to the movie over the weekend and then on Monday at lunch they said, you've got to go see Black Panther. It was the best movie ever. Or Captain Marvel. Or, can you tell to a movie I say, I'm a superhero guy. Second weekend numbers. 
So we sang a song earlier, or the band sang a song for us, and we listened and sang along. Uh, was I love? Was I Jesus to the least? Is there evidence that I've been changed? That's second weekend numbers. So people will get postcards, people hear about hope, all those kinds of things, but people come and visit us. People know about our impact on the community because of the way we live. If we live with intention. See, every Sunday is this gathering of the church to share our adventures from the previous week, and we miss you when you're not here, and we believe everyone is, isn't here yet. And we gather together to learn about how to be the church and to celebrate our God who we believe is part of our gathering every Sunday. And then we launch the church and God's dream community goes out into the world to live the mission. And one of my favorite things about being a portable campus is that we get to demonstrate that every week. And so when we're done in just a few minutes, I'm gonna, I'll have a stand and we're going to pray and we're going to be uh, dismissed and you're going to stand around and chat. And that's a great stay around as long as you want because someone in the back is going to signal when it's time to start cleaning up because we don't clean up till we feel we're done chatting and doing all those kind of things. And so that's good. But then when we clean up, if you want to stay around and help, it's kind of a cool thing because what you'll see is the church gathers up all their stuff and we load it up into the trailer down that hallway there. And then the church leaves the building. Every week, it's a lesson to us that this is not the church, but we disperse and become the church in our towns, in our communities, in our workplaces. So let me challenge you with just a few of those things, and I want to save myself a lot of time for this, and I didn't do it. Uh, so we're going to be just five minutes or more, okay? But I want to share with you just a few of these guerrilla marketing tactics that are so important to us uh, that Bill shared some of them with you. Is that, And he's making fun of my links. I like these links, all right? But we have Bill the Bunny this Saturday. Bill, I made those up, all right? And I like them, all right? Uh, <laughs> So we have Bill the Bunny this Saturday. Let me tell you something about Bill the Bunny. This was just a flyer of an idea. We went, what if we were to uh, just get flattened bunnies and then stuff them and have little kids stuff them and do that kind of thing, right? And it would be like a really cool, fun event. Well, it turns out that uh, it's kind of blowing up on social media uh, and we have 25 families who have signed up. Now get this, only three of those families are from here, all right? So we have 22 families showing up in this space who we've never met yet, all right? Now, here's the deal, all right? They're going to meet me, all right? All right, because I'll be here, all right? They're going to meet Chris, all right? But God help us if that's all they need, all right? It's Chris and I, all right? Because we're kind of like on the, the weird extreme, all right? No, uh, so, so really, if you can sign up to help, it's not because we need your help. That's so important for you to hear, okay? It's not because we need your help. It's because we need hope people to meet people who haven't come to hope yet. Okay, so it's Bunny Volunteer, Bill, all right? It's meethope.org forward slash bunny volunteer. You don't have to sign up to make a bunny. I don't care if you make a bunny, really, all right? Uh, but I do want you to sign up to, uh, to meet these folks, okay? Uh, that is really, uh, that's an exciting thing for us, all right? Chick-fil-A Egg Hunt, uh, yes, that's, it's meethope.org uh, forward slash egg hunt. The reason that's so exciting is that last year, Chick-fil-A did this. We partnered with them. They had 400 people in attendance. This year, they're expecting 1,000. Uh, so, uh, yeah, again, it's another one of those things that's blowing up uh, because anytime you do something for people's kids, they're excited about it. Uh, so so that's, that's really cool. Uh, you should have got on the way in the door. You got a postcard, didn't you? Did you all get a postcard? 
If you didn't get a postcard, get one on the way out. Here's what I want you to do. Here's a challenge, all right? I want you on the other side, there's a spot for you to put an address. Who could you invite to join us? You could write a little personal note on there and uh, you gotta buy the stamp yourself. The second way is, uh, so, so the first one was join our guerrilla marketing tactics. The second thing is, let me challenge you, is we need to change the church's image and the church's brand. There's not a single county in the United States where church attendance is increasing. And yet each of us have these unique worlds that we live in. And together, the church, you and I, that this is Jesus's plan for every corner of culture and every part of society. That the same way that the township folks said, a church has never asked us that before. I believe there are men and women that we see in our worlds who can respond with, you know what? A coworker or a neighbor has never done that for me before. Together we can show that the church is relevant. That we can be careful in how we are living and we can bring hope and grace and love and care, and that we can be an asset to life and to the community because of what Jesus has done in our hearts and lives. We believe that Jesus can do it in someone else's as well. So be careful how we live and live your life with intention. Will you stand with me for closing prayer? And so, God, I thank you for the men and women in this room. I thank you, God, for this chance that we've had to worship. And, God, now I pray that as we uh, leave from here and as we uh, move out into the worlds that we are a part of, whether it be our work world or our school world or our neighborhood, God, that we would live life with intention, knowing that people are watching how we react, how we respond, how we live this life that there are men and women that we will come in contact with who are struggling through different aspects of life and we may be able to bring hope and grace and love into their experience. God, that there are men and women that we know who are not connected to a faith community and this place has brought meaning to our lives because of the people we've met and because of the relationship we've established with you. And God, I pray that that would be inspiring enough that we'd want to share that with others. God, we thank you for this space that we get to gather and thanks for the Mount Laurel uh, Township and the community center that we have. That you allow us to worship here. And now God, I pray that as we go, that each one of us will go in knowing that there's a God that loves us with his whole heart. That this God loves us enough that he would rather die than live without us. And that this God now reigns in our hearts and our lives forever. And that there's a world out there that is desperate to know of that kind of love. And we pray these things in Christ's name. Amen. You guys have a great day.